chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do you All right. Uh, welcome to the Dead Funny, Dead Serious podcast series, uh, 30 End of Life Doulas in 30 Days. My name is Mitzi. I'm the host for today's show. Uh, today's End of Life Doula is Deborah Chapman. Uh, her website is deathtransitions.org. Uh, Deborah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mitzi. I'm excited to be here. We're happy to have you. Uh, you're visiting us from, well, from your home, but in the Sacramento area. Uh, so we're going to dive right in. We're going to dive into why, your why. How, why did you decide to become an end-of-life doula? You know, um, why is a funny question. I think it's just something that I was doing without even knowing I was doing it. And I think a lot of doulas find themselves being that person in their communities. And now we have this name for it, end of life doula, death doula. So through personal experience and a lot of death, I'm like, oh, I'm the person that everyone comes to in my community. What's this about? And I explored and found doulas and sought out training. And here I am. It is a story that we hear quite a bit, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It's it's almost like it slapped me in the face. Like, this is what you get to do in this life. You get to deal with a lot of death. So, and one of my favorite words to describe is how do you transmute like all the trauma and death into something good? So it took a few rounds of some traumatic deaths until it started to simmer. I'm like, oh, I should be a doula. I should help people. <laughs> yeah. About how, long, about how long ago? Did you decide that this was um, the, the term? The word, the word in the research, probably about five years ago now. Okay. And um, a little background, you know, everyone has death in their life, but I feel like I've had more traumatic deaths than most. Had a lot of suicide, a lot of murders, a lot being like four. And there was a period there right before um, seeking out becoming a doula that I lost 20 people in a five-year period. So when I say it was like, this is what you're supposed to be doing, girl, it was like the universe was like, do this, help people. Yeah. Sounds like you got a level of familiarity with it, right? And a little bit of comfort with it because it just kept saying, hello. Yes, exactly. And that, you know, there's some wonderful people to learn from out there attending seminars, workshops around death. Zen Hospice Center in San Francisco, Frank, and I'm going to butcher his last name, so I won't even say it. He's an awesome person to go see. And of course, Elizabeth Kugler-Ross. So I just started to dive in and research everything around death and dying. And uh, the doula just kind of clicked one day and uh, actually said it out loud at a meditation. I said, yes, I think I'm going to seek out being a death doula. And a friend was like, oh, you know, Ram Das has a training in Maui in three weeks. So I'm just like, okay, I said it out loud and look at it. There's a Ram Das training with Bodhi Bay at the doorway into light on Maui. I'm going to go make that happen. And I did a GoFundMe and friends paid for it. And that started the official training to develop the skills and help people that are dying. Wow. Uh, yeah, just kind of rolled, you rolled right into it, didn't you? <laughs> totally. 
can you say a couple words about your experience in that training, if you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, I've had a lot of training. I, I find it to be a lot of training. I've not only done the Doorway into Light on Maui, which was an amazing experience, but from there met other visionaries in the death and dying movement. Um, you know, Jerry Grace with her home funerals, um, Amy Wright Glenn that does uh, birth, breath, and death. And she was really informative on world religions for birth and death doulas. I attended that course as well. Um, well more about that later, but Anelda, of course. I know I'm forgetting some, especially in this time of COVID. I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to sign up for this. You know, grief coaching would be great. Some kind of, I'm doing compassionate bereavement with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross right now. So um, the training's excellent. I uh, loved Doorway into Light in Maui. It was an amazing experience to be in this beautiful place and talking about death and kind of just getting the whole buffet of being a doula um, and getting some amazing experiences that I didn't think would go into practice so quickly after doing that training and how instinctually when I was helping a friend die, they just came in. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to do that. <laughs> this is what we do next. Um, and Nelda's fantastic. We're still working with um, Chris from Anelda down here in California. She's working with uh, the doulas that I'm a volunteer of at Joshua's house. So we continue to do trainings. And I think it's wonderful to build community skill, comfort around walking into rooms where people are dying. And I think it's your experience as well. Like it's nice to be around people that don't mind talking about death and dying. <laughs> not yeah. all my friends appreciate it <laughs> yeah it's absolutely not for everybody and so it's a special skill set um to be able to talk about it with with people that are willing and able to talk about it and also the respect and and understanding that some people just can't talk about it so we kind of have to separate our our conversations so in a nice way right <laughs> I call it death adjacent yeah. Um, conversations sometimes where you know we're like right in the middle <laughs> okay I might have to try to practice that <laughs> with my friends that are a little not too comfortable <laughs> it sounds like you do have a lot of training and are you able to say a little bit about Joshua's house I would love to thank you for asking um, Joshua's house is not open yet it will be one of the it'll be the eighth hospice in the United States for unhoused citizens, residents. Um, it's it's a founder, Marlena Fitzwater. She's a luminary in the social medical scene here. And we're very excited. We're hoping to be open by July this year. It's been a long time. I've been a doula with Joshua's house for two years without actually being able to assist an unhoused resident in their dying process but we're all very excited for Joshua's house to actually open and with COVID everything kind of slowed to a grinding halt there and we had a building and we had a bad neighbor that didn't want us to do the retrofit so we had to totally reframe what we were doing go a different direction yeah and I, I can speak a little bit more about that one thing that um long-winded 
and caring for my friend who was dying from stage four cancer. I was helping him with his medicine. You know, it's three different pill containers three times a day, morning, evening. And we were doing his medicine. And we're like, oh my gosh, could you imagine trying to go through this without any support, without any caregivers? And in that moment, we're like, oh, the poor homeless. And it was so funny at that point in my life, I was looking to volunteer at a hospice. So I get back home to Sacramento. I'm new to Sacramento, start researching hospices in the area. Boom, Joshua's house, right when they were looking for people to volunteer as doulas. So again, (laughs) the universe just opened up and said, here's your opportunity. But one thing um, I'd like your listeners to kind of take in is when you're an unhoused resident, you aren't afforded the hospice care you normally would have when you actually have a resident, when you have an address and a home. So our unhoused citizens are going into ERs and getting terminal diagnosis and are sent back out on the streets and they don't have any follow-up care. Their medications are being stolen and it's just heartbreaking. So Joshua's house is really going to bridge the gap. And like I said, there's seven other hospices in the nation, but it's an area that we should be expanding care to those people that don't have homes, in my opinion. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's a really important point um, is that they don't have the same care and you're, you're bridging that, that gap in there. It's important. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'll make sure that those, that information on Joshua's house is also in the notes. Okay. <laughs> so, everyone, <laughs> so everyone can hear and, and read a little bit more about that and contribute if they can. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So, I mean, I, we've already kind of gotten to a little bit of hope. I, I really love that when you found Joshua's house, they were looking for doulas. So it sounds like they were open to having end-of-life doulas in, invested already. That's amazing um, because it's not always across the board, right? There's a lot of uh, differences between hospice and uh, doulas and getting them to partner together, right? And some are like all for it and some are, it's a little bit more challenging. What other challenges are you finding? Um, well, right now, COVID sure seems to have put the brakes on a lot. You know, it's tragic for the doula community once COVID hit because we couldn't even go into hospitals and be with people. And we're very sensitive to end of life, obviously. And we want to be there. We want to be your companion, your death buddy. So it's been heartbreaking. I presently do not have any clients, which has um, led me to start up. Uh, the collective death transitions where I'm trying to pull in my death positive um, healers that I know within communities to try to build this organization. And so we can be there when we can serve others more safely. We're all vaccinated, um, all that good stuff. Most of the hospices here in Sacramento weren't even allowing volunteers up until recently. Pretty, yeah, COVID has put a big challenge. on the death dealer work with it. But what's exciting are opportunities such as doing this podcast with you. Um, I started to develop an online workshop, just educating people about what doulas do. And then we're going into the actual work. This is the work a doula can do when someone's healthy. You don't have to wait for a terminal diagnosis, like grab a cup of tea and let's fill out your advanced directives, your medical power of attorney, you know, let's talk about if you need to get a trust together because you have a lot of assets or are we just going to do the statutory will because we don't have a lot of assets. 
and going further into personal object offerings and um, just really talking about the paperwork, which is no fun. But it's so good to get it out of the way before you get that diagnosis or you're aging and it can always be updated. One of my favorite things is um, working with people on their death plans. And I know you've been through the training with Imelda as well, but I always try to frame it as planning your last party. Mm. Like it's a beautiful footprint for someone to spend time and effort and energy into writing out what their favorite good death would be for them. Mm. And then it allows their beloveds and caregivers to try to match their wishes all throughout the process. And I've seen that work in action and it's quite beautiful. Just my friend, David, who just passed, we had many conversations. And at the time that he was finally dying, he, you know, and he died um, and reflecting, I'm like, oh, I think we hit almost all his wishes because dying can be a very sped up process and it's exhausting and you're not sleeping and caregiving. And it was lovely to look in the rear view. I'm like, I think we did it. He wanted his records played. He wanted it happy. He wanted a lot of food around and it happened. Yeah. And you wouldn't have known had you not taken that extra, you know, effort to do a death plan or even had that conversation. So yeah, I love the, yeah, have a cup of tea. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't drink anymore. So I'm like, grab the tea. You can have a cocktail if you want. <laughs> Drink something um, and let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's make it light. Let's make it normal. Like, let's have these discussions. And, you know, I was just having uh, another workshop the other night. And I'm like, you know, I really feel like these conversations need to start happening when you're around 40. Like, let's let's do it now. Maybe even earlier. But for me, like 40 sounded like a good number. Like, people yeah. should start thinking about it then. Or I would like to see them. I hate the word should. It's, a, it's an aggressive word. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to should on ourselves, right? Wanna... <laughs> so, you know, you asked about challenges of getting clients. And, you know, it, it is a challenge right now. Just uh, with the hospices not taking on volunteers and integrating into a new community for me here in Sacramento. Um, I actually haven't served as a doula to a person I didn't know. So I'm a fledgling um, collective and I, I look forward to actually crossing that boundary with Joshua's house and other clients. Yeah, it's really important. And so to listeners, we are recording this episode in it, this whole series is being recorded somewhere in March and April of 2021. We are looking at those challenges, right? And also it sounds like some opportunities. I think there's a lot of networking happening, um, a lot of sharing of resources and information that has happened in the last year that was unfortunate that doulas could not be bedside, but I do think a lot of people really took advantage of it. It sounds like you did with extra uh, training and all these other pieces and working with Joshua's house to, you know, when we are getting, we're almost there, we're like rounding a corner. And uh, I'm definitely looking at those opportunities, right? We're going to have to kind of hit the ground running and make sure that everything is going in that direction and keeping us all um, united in a way that just keeps this momentum going because you're, you've been waiting for a year now to get back uh, bedside um, and see the clients. What are the hopes? What, what do you hope for? I know you're looking at building this collective. What does it look like? 
Um, so the collective and Joshua's house are definitely two separate things. The collective is um, my own work that I am building with other doulas in the community from San Francisco, Monterey, Sacramento region, just kind of that little nut of California. And the vision for that collective is, as I said earlier, just bringing people in from all walks of life. So you got aromatherapists, sound healers, grief coaches, home funeral assistants, just the full range of services that anyone might want as they approach their dying and their death. And Joshua's house will be my service volunteer work. And we're very excited about that. You guys can all go online and check it out afterwards if you're interested to find out more. So um, for death transitions, I really see a beautiful community forming. We're in the fledgling state right now. We're just, you know, blossoming. It's spring. So hello, summer. And It'll be exciting and scary to see how that grows. Um, you know, taking very mindful, small baby steps, as I said, just doing the workshops, starting to feel more familiar, opening up the circle larger and larger to different um, collective members and audiences, and, you know, letting people know what doulas do and how we can support family and the dying. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, I can tell. I love it. You should be. Uh, it's great work that you're doing. Uh, we wish you absolutely the best with that, uh, with death tran transitions. And of course, with Joshua's house, I love to hear that happening anywhere. A huge thank you to you, Deborah, for sharing your how and why and challenges and hopes and all the other things. Uh, we're going to have all the show notes are going to have how to find Deborah, uh, how to find Joshua's house, how to learn more about death transitions and how you can support all these things. The Instagram, Facebook, all the all the things you should like them and subscribe to them. And so uh, to the listeners of this podcast, if you're enjoying the series, hit subscribe or like or share this. And then jump on over and join us on Instagram and TikTok so we can get to know you better. That's all for this episode. And we're going to see you in the next episode of Dead Funny, Dead Serious, 30 End of Life Duels in 30 Days. And we're done.